One of the downsides of living in a vibrant community is the nonstop change. Here in Durham, North Carolina, I live alongside a lot of construction. New buildings, new roads, new neighborhoods, they're popping up all around me. So when I came across the book, Planting in a Post-Wild World by Thomas Rainer and Claudia West, well, it felt like they were looking at my garden when they wrote their book. Every day, trees come down around me for some new house or building or road or whatever. And it feels like the natural world is receding from my view very quickly. I sat down with Claudia West to learn more about her take on creating plant communities in our gardens and the benefits of doing so. Uh, hello, I'm Claudia West. I'm a planting designer and author um, of, co-author of the book Planting in a Post-Wild World. My passion is working with ecological plants and bringing more functional and ecologically valuable landscapes back into our landscapes. So, Claudia, you talk a lot about plant communities. What is that? Tell me what that is. Uh, plant communities are planting systems. Think about them almost like a lasagna or like a layered cake, where you would find dense layers of plants right there at the, at the soil covering bare ground. And then above them, you would find several other layers of plants that share exactly the same space um, with other plants in a very tight-knit social network where plants have interactions, they help each other, they compete with one another and um, create incredibly fascinating and meaningful compositions in design, especially in functional design. So that sounds a lot like a forest. How does that translate to my yard, I mean, my tiny little garden? Yes, I think it's a really great analogy to think about plant communities as a forest. Uh, when you look at a forest, you usually have ground covers at the base, you have shrubs in the understory, and then canopy trees above that. And um, in your garden, on a smaller scale, very similar layering happens. Even when you look at um, a small herbaceous planting bed you would often have ground covers right at the understory maybe they're only five to six inches tall then you might have some uh, showier perennials that get maybe a foot to two feet tall and then above that you may have a few shrubs and if your yard is big enough some trees so it's it's almost like a, a mini plant community on a much much smaller scale that is very similar in its layers to what we would find in a forest ecosystem so why would I do that? Is there any benefit to approaching my yard as a, as a whole system, as a community? Yeah, so the huge uh, problem that we are experiencing in today's world is that we don't have enough of the good and right kind of plants anymore in our lives. We basically removed all of the ecological and functional species that used to grow here, uh, and we've managed to pave them over with asphalt and put our houses right on top of them. And uh, that really pulled the rug under our feet. Uh, the foundation of life is dwindling at an alarming rate. These plants are not only important for us because they create the oxygen we breathe and clean the air, but they're also um, salad bars for insects that uh, thrive on these plants and need them uh, for food. So the landscapes that we have built in the past don't put enough of these right kind of plants back into our landscapes. They have managed to replace a large part of these ecological plants that are so essential for the future of our planet. We've managed to replace them with mulch, with either you know, shredded wood mulches or with um, gravel mulches. And that is a huge problem in today's world where we have lost so many wild ecosystems that balance the effects we as people have on the planet. And this is why it's important to 
bring more functional, more ecologically valuable planting even into our small spaces to restore this foundation of life and create salad bars for insects right in our front yards as well as sponge gardens that soak up the rain and help us clean up pollution. So our gardens are really where nature of the future will live because we have destroyed so much of it out in what we call the wild. So this is why a layered, more plant community-based approach in our gardens is such an exciting new opportunity because it can help us make the most out of these small spaces we all have available to make a difference and create a better world. Uh, think about how much more food and nectar sources for insects you can move into your garden by layering plants one on top of the other versus you know having one or two plants surrounded by oceans of mulch that have hardly any ecological and functional value at all and this is why we are so excited about this technology because it really allows us to build the gardens of the future that can help us build a much much better world so what kind of plants would i use in this sort of planting are, are we talking about just native plants or, or what are my options here yeah, so I think we have an incredible number of species to choose from in today's world to build these layered, dense, and gorgeous, just beautiful, lush gardens. Um, we can use all kinds of fantastic ground covers to lay down this foundation, this what we call green mulch, <laughs> that replaces um, the hardwood mulches we so often see in our landscapes with something that is so much more ecologically and functionally valuable. And there we can tap into gorgeous native species like sedges or ground covers like uh, robin's plantain or eucharas if you do have a shade garden all of these wonderful gorgeous native plant species that are now more and more available in our local plant nurseries um, yes there are exotic species we can use and if they well behave in your garden and you absolutely love them it's no problem sprinkling in a few of them here and there but keep in mind that you do need uh, some of the plants that used to grow here before we change this landscape so dramatically because many of our native insects do depend on these native plant species they co-evolved with. So I'm not saying you should plant a pure native plant garden but make sure that you are conscious of that decision and include as many of the uh, ecological plants that may yeah, foundation of life again that is so important in your design to make sure that you're doing the best job possible creating this future nature that you know so many creatures depend on and i quite honestly think that all of these native plants are stunningly beautiful we in europe actually pay big dollars or euros for them to buy them and include them in our designs um, so using them here in america is, is a bit of a, a no-brainer to me i think they are just incredible and uh, can make your garden feel incredibly authentic to your area because they relate to the aesthetic and to the climate here very well. So I'm a busy woman and I'm trying to visualize all these layers of plants. Uh, Claudia, are you making more work for me? <laughs> Oh, this is a question I get very often. You know, it sounds like when you're layering plants and you include so many plants in your garden, it sounds like a tremendous amount of work and actually a tremendous amount of money when you're building a new garden like this. But um, to be honest with you, plants are the best mod on earth. <laughs> Mulch systems, if you use your traditional mulches, will not forever stay weed-free because they 
simply don't cover ground and you've probably seen it in your own garden. If you mulch um, a garden, maybe after planting, very soon you'll have weeds coming up all over the place because nature abhors bare soil. It's a vacuum, it's a gap. If we instead fill this vacuum with plants, really densely, like it would in most natural ecosystems, you will have way fewer weeds coming up in your garden over time. So one of the best ways of making this incredibly low maintenance is by covering soil as densely as you can and as quickly as you can with desirable ecological plants. So yes, if you use um, smaller container sizes like cords or landscape plugs and some more sophisticated gardeners even sprinkle in a handful of seed to cover soil very quickly with the plants you envision there as dense ground cover, then you can actually save a whole lot of money. You don't have to spend you know, big dollars on gallons and two gallons and covering that soil with really big plants. Smaller plants are actually better at covering soil as densely as you can with this ground cover that in the end will save you from having to weed your garden so often because these plants will suppress many of the problematic weed species on their own, simply meeting nature halfway. This is not a new principle at all. When you look at natural ecosystems, you will find that that's how, how it really works on a large scale in most native plant communities. Okay. Okay, so you're saving me time, and it sounds like you might be saving me money. Um, how about watering? Is this more intense because I've got more plants, so I have to do more watering? Talk to me about resources that go into a, car a garden like this. Yeah, so this is a really good question. Um, plant communities are layered systems. And when we talk about layering, we don't only mean above ground layering. We have, you know, plants that get a few inches tall, some that get maybe two or three feet tall, and then we have really you know, larger shrubs and trees above that. But each one of these plants also have a different root system. There are some plants that root maybe only one to two feet down, and they are most susceptible to summer drought because their roots are too short to take tap into deeper soil horizons to support themselves with water in uh, the you know, really dry times, uh, July, August, when we don't get a whole lot of rain here. However, in a layered plant community, you also include plant species that have much, much deeper root systems. Some of our native plants, like for example, little blue stem or blazing star, can have root systems that could go down 10, 15 feet if the soil is deep enough and they don't hit you know, a clay hard pan. But if they're deep enough, they can tap into much, much, much deeper soil horizons and support themselves with water, even in the driest months of the year. And that makes a planting that includes these species incredibly drought tolerant and will save you a lot of money in terms of irrigation costs. These plants will look lush and full even in a time of year when more short-rooted species will start looking sad and need your help. So including more of these deeply rooted species can be a really good solution that can create an incredibly beautiful drought tolerant garden which it sounds like we need more of them <laughs> in the future <laughs> well you you i think you've sold me the only the last hurdle that i've got to overcome is i live in a neighborhood very small yards very small gardens and an hoa a homeowners association mm -hmm. that's going to give me some guidelines about what they will and will not tolerate uh, is a layered plant community is it messy 
Yeah, so it can be messy, absolutely. But the wonderful thing is that layered plant communities don't have to be naturalistic. They can be formal. It is not a design style. It's a method that can be applied to both formal as well as naturalistic gardens and just about anything in between on this spectrum from wild to neat. Um, they don't require really, really diverse plant list. It could be as simple as having a ground cover, a plant that flowers perfectly in the summertime above that, and maybe one structural plant like a tree or a shrub that frames everything. Um, it could also be 10 or 15 ground covers, you know, maybe five plants that create spectacular flower moments throughout the year. And maybe instead of one tree, it could be five or six different shrubs and trees if you have more space in your garden. So I think that in order to make it work aesthetically, to make sure your planting is legible and fills you with joy and, you know, inspires your neighbors yeah in your community you have to find the right design solution in terms of complexity in terms of height in terms of how the legibility will respond to what is possible in a specific site so it can absolutely work in a smaller garden but maybe the way to respond to a smaller scale garden would be to reduce some of the species diversity so that uh, your layered planting design is still legible and doesn't feel overwhelming or messy in a small scale. The other tool we have available to make more visually complex planting appeal to people in a smaller yard is to frame it with what we call orderly frames. If you have, let's say, a butterfly garden that has lots of you know, very naturalistic looking native um, flowers, it's possible to frame this with either a mold strip of turf or a beautiful fence, something that makes it feel intentional, it makes it feel cared for, and it makes it feel more like a garden instead of a weed patch. So that is a really good tool we have available, even in very small spaces, to get away with more naturalistic design solutions and make them look you know, intentional, cared for in a small space. And the second tool we have to make design plant communities appeal to people is this uh, tool of creating seasonal themes or seasonal events where one plant, for example, at a certain time of year visually appears from this matrix planting and turns an entire planting area into one spectacular color or surprises with a really interesting texture. These uh, events uh, that we can build into planting design, maybe it's five or six events throughout the season, can help make more complex plant communities legible in your garden. So it could be right now a theme or event of bulbs that you know comes out of your layered planting design and everything shines in beautiful colors of yellow. That maybe a few weeks from now, it's an early perennial that appears and blooms at a really large number in this layered planting design and catches all the attention and uh, really looks stunningly beautiful. And then maybe a few weeks from that, you have another event happening in your garden. That is a wonderful way of making more naturalistic or complex planting appeal to people and give it emotional content that resonates very deeply within us. Claudia, you've inspired me. Thank you so much for, for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me and happy planting. <laughs> you can find out more about planting in a post-wild world on our website, trianglegardener.com. I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. Thanks for listening.